This is the Cinema for All podcast. The celebration of going to the cinema with Jack Chell and Abby Standish. Welcome back to the Cinema for All podcast. It's Jack and Abby back here again for season two. Season two. Yeah, our podcast is a celebration of going to the cinema. We talk about the people who create cinema, the experiences, people behind the scenes. We just love going to the cinema and that's what this is all about. Exactly. And last season we spent a lot of time thinking about themes and film genres and talking to some really great people. But at the moment we're actually investigating behind the scenes a little bit more, looking under the hood. How does it all detectives oh yeah you can rely on us to follow the leads get the clues and tell you what's been happening our previous episodes include um we had a chat with danny lee about cinema cinema memories danny lee danny lee and we also visited barry purvis who's an incredible animator he's oscar and bafta nominated he's created some of his own incredible work and learning about what attracts him to animation and puppet making definitely go back and listen to that one Yes, and he had a great cat named Marcus. Oh, he was lovely. He was fantastic. Um, Well, if all this talk about cinema experiences gets you interested in doing your own thing, which you can totally do, did you know that? Um, After listening, you can go to cinemaforall.org.uk or get in touch with us at Cinemaforall and we will tell you how to make your very own community cinema. We will help you! Today we've got more behind-the-scenes goodies for you. We went on a visit to ITV Content Delivery in Leeds, which also hosts the ITV National Film Archive. So we had an amazing day out and we learned so much about film restoration. And it's actually the first part of a two-parter. Abby, what's coming up in part two? It is. Part two is very exciting. We went to one of the leading, most exciting distributors who distribute archive film to find out things from their point of view. Yeah, you're going to get both sides of the coin with this two-parter. It's fantastic. But first, what is going on in the world of film Abby you go to the cinema all the time what have you seen I love how you always start me off with that I know just pressure one one film at the cinema recently I think since we last spoke um official secrets I saw recently oh sure yeah I got really good reviews has it got good reviews I haven't yeah. checked the reviews yet but no, it had re- like four star five star oh awesome I think that's good I, I did really enjoy it I, I'm glad I went in not really knowing much about what it was I had a gist mm. so it stars Keira Knightley and it's also got Ray Fiennes in it. And it's about Catherine Gunn, who was a um, whistleblower. She kind of leaked um, some untoward government action in trying to lead mm. um, the country into war in Iraq mm. um, and illegally. And it's just kind of about that. But it's the way it's told is is really interesting and getting the point of view from her and the government and the reporters and things like that Mm. um and i just yeah really really kind of grabbed me and i found it really interesting and it's set in 2002 three and i do think they've done like i know it's not that long ago but the way they've made it into that period drama and it looked really really good Um, and i think that really helped things and it was interesting to look back at that recent history actually Mm. and um cast a new eye on it so i really enjoyed that and I also had some good home watches recently. So I finished reading To Kill a Mockingbird for the first time. Oh. I know, dreamy, such a good book. But I had to watch the film because it stars the one and only. Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck. Oh, what an icon. Such an icon. Um, the casting for the whole film is so good, actually. Yeah, the kids are amazing. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought they did a good job at um, packing a lot in. Mm. And I think Gregory, Peck, Gregory Peck's performance um, in the courtroom scene was the famous one. 
was so good. It was so subtle, but so meaningful. And I just tried to picture the audience back when it was released for them yeah. kind of waiting for that for that scene to be delivered. And yeah, yeah it was good. Do you know, I read that um, the cast of that film had a relationship for the rest of their lives. <gasps> so um, the little girl who played Scout, she called Gregory Peck Atticus for the rest of her life. Oh my and, goodness. And um, Harper Lee gifted Gregory Peck with this watch that had belonged to her dad, because obviously it's based, Atticus is based on her dad, who was an attorney in the South. Um, and once he, he lost it, he was at an airport and he was pickpocketed and it was stolen. And he was absolutely devastated, really brokenhearted, was like, how am I going to tell her what I'm going to say? And he told her and she was like, oh, it's fine. They're just things. Oh, my I know. goodness. I know. Just, they all just loved each other for the rest of their That's lives. Incredible. It's beautiful. Because yeah. in, the, in the book and the film, he gives his pocket watch to Jen. Yeah. And oh, God, that's sending me under that. So nice. I <laughs> love that it. For you. Saved podcast yeah, back for that you. That was like, I am so. I've been waiting to tell you that for so about two weeks. <laughs> I know. How did you keep that in? But I'm glad we all we all get to hear it for sure. Um, and then another really good film was um, Bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story. Oh, fantastic. Um, which was a great documentary. Well, it, it's a good documentary, but just, she is just mm. incredible. And I knew a little bit about her story and about how she's the inventor as to why we have Wi-Fi and si- signaling technology like that. Yeah. Um, but she did all these other great inventions. She's just very, very intriguing. 50, like 50s Hollywood actress with such a sparkling mind. Mm. Um, and just to hear her point of view on things was just really, really intriguing. Oh, fantastic! Okay, I'm gonna list, I'm gonna watch that. Is that on Netflix or something? It's on iPlayer. That fantastic. one, fantastic. Yeah, and I also watched Labyrinth for the first time ever. <gasps> oh, I'm so excited! <laughs> oh, Labyrinth meant so much to me when I was little. Did you like it? I did enjoy it. I, I'm sometimes with fantasy films, I can they're not my go-to mm. at all times. Um, but it was way better than I thought it was gonna be. It's and so good. It's a Jim Henson, Frank Oz production so that, there was part of it that's always going to like it and the song's so good it's so good the song is so good the song is really good because it's bowie songs isn't it essentially yeah um but but yeah it, it, i enjoyed it how oh. about you what have you seen well um i had an absolutely gorgeous cinema experience recently so i went to the showroom to the little mermaid sing-along Cute. so um it's it's my best friend's favorite film and i went along with rosie from work as well and, you know, everybody else there was a kid or a parent with a kid, um, but it was packed out. It was like a relaxed screening, so the lights were up a little bit. Uh, but it was it was really, really magical. I think what didn't dawn on us until we sat down was for a lot of these kids, it'd be the first time they've seen that film. It's a film that we're really familiar with and all the songs to, um, but these kids were reacting in the moment, and you kind of forget that. There were kids dancing in the aisles. They oh. were really, really frightened of Ursula, which is fair enough. Yeah. Um, but they were singing along. The mums and dads were singing along. There was one dad in particular that had a very resonant lovely voice that was just adorable it was just one of those really gorgeous cinema experiences where you're like yeah that's why that's why you go to the cinema Mm. that's a really memorable experience so I loved that very much sounds really uplifting yeah um I also saw The Farewell which is the A24 film with Aquafina um so it's about so she's a Chinese American second generation and her her grandma still lives back in China and she's very unwell. She has stage four lung cancer, but the family back in China decide not to tell her. So everybody goes back to China to say goodbye under the um, 
the skies of a wedding. So some cousin's going right. to get married, basically. Um, and nobody can tell about everybody's really, really sad. Um, but it's kind of about different cultural traditions. It's about generational love. It's really lovely, actually. Absolutely adored it. I think Aquafina is such a great actress. And it was just really universal. There's so much in there that you can spot about your own family relationships and especially with sort of grandparents um, and then the sort of the next generation down parents and, and, and things that you kind of keep from each other. It was really wonderful. I definitely recommend everybody go see The Farewell. I can't wait. I had amazing reviews. Yeah. People was, love it. I, I, I worried that I was going to, I was too hyped for it mm. and that it wasn't going to live up to expectations, but it absolutely did. It was really just beautifully, beautifully acted. Um, and then I've watched some stuff at home as well. I've been watching some spooky, scary stuff spooky at home. Spooky, scary. <laughs> so I watched uh, two French spooky films. I watched Eyes Without a Face, um, oh. which is a film from the 60s about um, a girl who's she's got a very disfigured face and her dad is a plastic surgeon. And um, it's about how they go about trying to get her a replacement face. And she wears a mask for a lot of the film. It's very, very scary, very atmospheric. I really loved it to bits and then following that quite shortly after I watched Les, Di- Les Diaboliques oh you love that yeah it's very Hitchcockian um, and it's about sort of a very abusive husband and his lover and his wife um, they're, they're going to do him in basically um, but things don't necessarily go to plan mm. um, but really great just very atmospheric and the kind of stuff you want to be watching when the night's drawing really yeah. it just completely suits my mood I also just want to watch a load of Hitch- black and white Hitchcock films at the minute that's just yeah. what I'm in the mood for now that we are approaching Halloween yes we are. Uh, 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 that sounds great. Nice mix. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, Jack, Hitchcock is a really nice lead into our segment piece today. We, we didn't went... plan that. No, we didn't. That was, <laughs> that, that was normal. Because we went to visit ITV Content Delivery in Leeds. And they actually have one of Hitchcock's oldest films in their archives. Mm. And we got to have a little look at that and some incredible stuff. So I think we should just get into it. Yeah, let's get into let's it. Let's go into the vaults. So we arrived in Leeds at ITV and we met Andy, who looks after the film archive there, and he took us down into the depths so we can have a little tour. Oh yeah, so we've got 200,000 film cans on site and it's very roughly a 50-50 split between the 16mm, which is kind of the TV collection, 35mm, which is the feature film collection. Um, it's kind of s- separated into... Um, it's a kind of mini collection. So right here we've got um, the old Yorkshire TV collection. That kind of takes up that bit. Um, we've got some Granada over there. This is this is a lot of ATV and feature film. So this all came from a place called Perryvale a few years ago. So for the last, for the best part of 20 years, we've ITV slowly but surely been centralising its entire archive holdings into this building. Um, so that's been, that's been really good for us. Um, we've learned a lot. So if you just, we'll just go down a random aisle. We can just have a bit of a look at some of the titles. We've got lots of that, lots of the saint. Jesus of Nazareth, that's pretty iconic kind of uh, series. Legend of the Lone Ranger, that sounds good. Some carry on film here. Danger Man, Carry On Matron. Yeah. God, it's just endless, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
them, but there's more to see. We we'll just keep going. Oh. Trying to find some feature films that are pretty. So, in fact, I've got a little crib sheet here. So, this is some of the films that's that's in the archive. Oh my Thief god! Thief of Baghdad. That's a great film. Brief Encounter. Yeah. Black Narcissus. Fried green tomatoes. So good. Some act like real classics. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of a lot of these are the cult and stuff. I remember in the early 2000s we used to get all these free with a newspaper because the Carlton used to do DVDs yeah. mm. yeah, so yeah. there would be Brief Encounter and the Nick Rogue films and the early Hitchcocks, the British Hitchcocks Yeah, in fact the earliest film we have in the archive is a Hitchcock film, silent film um, called Downhill starring Ivan Novello and that's from 1927 I just think it's a really interesting mix between the, the different titles when you start looking at it, I do what I, cause I walk through here every day. You kind of stop looking a little bit. It's such an interesting mix. Black Narcissus next to Thunderbirds. With right, by some wrestling. With some Saturday, after, Saturday afternoon wrestling, yeah, with a promo for. Oh, just some idents. There's some ITV idents under there. And a, day, a daybreak ident. Yeah, I know. So it's just, yeah. Childhood watching films like Black Narcissus and then wrestling and, and then Thunderbirds. <laughs> yeah. The big yeah. sleep. And I've yeah. seen it. When we went down there, we actually learned that it's a bit more of an active process than you might think about storing an archive. You don't just leave it sitting there in its, its beautiful canisters. It's also about preserving it to keep this content to a good standard so we can enjoy it for years to come. Um, we have sort of risk around certain formats. So. Um, so one inch, I think we've got about 70,000 one inch on site. Um, we've got four or five players, so we've got reasonable amount of re resolution. D2, what we were talking about earlier, that, that's the big concern, we're, we're down to three players. Um, but when you start scratching the surface, you find actually you've got multiple copies on Digibeta or you know, something else. So. We're doing a lot of that work right now, finding out exactly what is at risk. And when it comes to film as well, so we pH strip test. Mm. So you see little LED strips that you put in film cans. Have you seen those? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So it's, con it's like painting the fourth bridge, just constantly doing that, um, making sure nothing's getting vinegarized. And if it is, then it goes to those guys to be transferred. So there is an element of preservation as well as oh, just sort of archiving yeah. and storing. There's, yeah. there's an active process. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the name of the department is um, archive brackets preservation access so yeah preservation is a big part of what we do um, I guess preservation I guess it's two strands of preservation one is make sure the physical asset itself is is well looked after so obviously in cool vaults it's a constant constant nineteen um, it could be cooler but we're in out all the time so really it's about finding that stability of temperature and also this is a huge concrete box. Effectively, it used to be a, an ice rink upstairs. So the ceiling's like that, and then the walls supporting it like that. So it's, it's really good kind of mm. confines to store Taven film. Um, but we, it's a working archive in that, you know, it's not like the you know frozen vaults at the beer fight Gaiden. Mm. You know, it's a big freezer. That's really how you should, you know, story mm. film. As well as archiving old material, ITV also restore it for digital media and to make it look fresh. But this isn't as straightforward as it might seem. One of our core values when it comes to restoration is we 
we only want to kind of take the content to um, where the original creators could have taken it. And we've got to kind of recognize the limitations and the capabilities that existed kind of sometimes 10 years ago, five years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, you know? Um, so we don't want to be taking like an old black and white Hitchcock film and making it look like a Marvel, you know, glossy, super, you know, like a, a very modern thing. Think of a piece of software like Microsoft Word, yeah? And what it can do and what you probably use it for. You're probably using about 2% of the capacity of Microsoft Word. And it's the same with the film restoration. What you're doing is you've got all these tools at your disposal, but what you're not getting, what you don't want to do is kind of use them all. You've kind of got to draw a line in the sand and say, we can't go beyond this point because if we do, we're actually making like editorial changes mm -hmm. to the content and that's not what we're there to do. We're just there to kind of enhance the image so that we're repairing lost detail mm -hmm. or cleaning out artifacts that shouldn't be there that through whatever reason, lots of use, wear and tear, um, prints are dirty or scratched. We want to kind of remove that so that you're bringing the, the image back to its former glory, not changing it beyond that. Mm -hmm. Scott from the transfer team tells us why they work this way. Um, well, yeah, it's not really our job to make decisions about what something, you know, should look like. We're supposed to make the decision of what it was intended to look like. Um, so that's, that's our remit, really. Uh, we don't make any editorial decisions. Uh, we don't think um, of that should be maybe a little redder or it should be a different colour, anything like that. We just need to get it back to as close to when it was filmed as possible um, and not go beyond that. did some tests a few years ago and they had a really old print of uh, an episode of Captain Scar, which was very badly scratched, covered in dirt, dust, debris. Um, and we ran the uh, film for our scanners, uh, took a forensic scan and we loaded it into our restoration software and we set some automated processes going uh, one specifically to look at the removal of uh, film scratches which are kind of lines uh, vertically down the screen now a show like Captain Scarlet it's a puppet show and the algorithms in the software um, got confused with the film scratches and the puppet strings so the first pass we did took out all the film scratches, but it also took out all the puppet strings. So this is like an example of where, well, I, su I suspect when Jerry Anderson made the show back in the 1950s, he was very frustrated by the fact that he couldn't film the puppets without showing the strings, <laughs> and would have been delighted if it was a tool to eliminate them. But, you know, 50, 60 years down the line, those puppet strings add to the charm, they're part of the aesthetic. And if we were to kind of show something like that and we'd taken out that aspect of the picture, we would have been making an editorial change to that content. So what we have to do is we have, you know, when we are kind of doing restoration work, is we have to kind of, again, recognise where we can go and where we don't want to go beyond. Um, but also there's a lot of kind of reviewing just to make sure that um, and a lot of trial and error as well you know like we, we're refining the restoration 
as we go before we complete stuff, just to make sure things aren't being introduced, as Scott said, that things aren't being taken out. We wanted to find out about the various steps involved in restoring content. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, generally when somebody requests something from us, uh, we need to try and source the best quality of a film that we can. Um, in our archive, we've got various different types of, of film. We've got the, the negatives, inter-negative, inter-positive, lots of different copies, and all of those different um, types of film can have varying quality depending on how many times they've been copied, um, how they've been stored, how many times they've been used, and things like that. So we need to try and find the best quality that we can to start with. Because obviously the better quality we start with, the better quality we get out at the end of it. Um, so there's, uh, there can be quite a little bit of, of um, mixing and matching, trying to get the best versions of everything. Um, and then once we've decided which versions we do want to use, we've then got to get them cleaned up. We put them through our uh, winder, which takes a lot of the dirt and the dust off and things like that. Josh kind of gave us a demo of the machine that removes this dust. So yeah, first part of the process once we've kind of found the best uh, condition film for any piece of content, um, is to put it through the cleaner. So the film runs on um, both sides basically um, and it pulls off any physical dirt or debris. Um, if I set it going, you can at least see maybe a picture. Removing any um, yeah particles that shouldn't be there. The importance of doing this is because when you're kind of looking at um, footage that's like everywhere we go, we're surrounded by dust, right? And you're not aware of it, you can't see it. But when you've got a speck of dust on an image the size of your thumbnail, and that image is blown up to a you know relatively by today's standard small TV screen. Um, that speck of dust is no longer invisible. It's a huge imperfection, blemish, and it's not kind of a palatable viewing experience, which is why we go to such lengths to kind of clean as much dirt off the film before we do a scan. And then what we're left with is a minimal, hopefully, amount of dust, dirt, debris that needs to be digitally removed from the image. We've then got to uh, hook them up to our scanners uh, and then we start the process of digitising them. The team then showed us a beautiful looking machine, which they told us was called a Vintage Cloud Steambeck. Now this is one of only a few in the country and it's used to restore the material. That machine was actually really cool because yeah. they, they fed in some film for us to see so we could actually see the process and Joan Chen and Rutkawa came on screen. It was very cool. This is um, a film called Wedlock. This is for a German broadcaster. Um, I'll do enough with as the start. Um, so yeah, I think they're wanting this to make their own version, a German version of it. Because um, this is this is just the film, we haven't got the sound um, going through for this one. Uh, I think they already have some German audio that they're going to lay over the top of it. And then uh, have their own broadcast version in Germany. So you're adjusting things like your black level, your gamma level, um, the hue. Um, and then also the individual kind of RGB levels and the white level to get the image as close to how it's supposed to look. Which 
should be getting there. Yeah, after just a couple of seconds of twiddling with a couple of knobs, everything looked completely different. The colour was different. It was amazing. We then moved on to another screen to show us a side-by-side -side restoration of something they'd been working on. Yeah, the difference was astonishing. So we, what we've got is, a, is this is like a side-by-side -side example. This is kind of what I like seeing best uh, to see what the image is now currently going out on TV screens and what it could be or what it, it is, so what it was and what it is now. So hand over to Scott. So yeah, this is currently the SD version. And mm -hmm. uh, you'll see it start to wipe across the screen and it will become the restored HD. What? <laughs> so you can see the image is bouncing quite a lot on the right, subtly. Mm -hmm. And it's a lockdown static image, much more palatable mm -hmm. for audiences. And, um, you know, it's talking about kind of the texture in people's suits, the detail in the cigarette smoke that you mm -hmm. can see. Mm -hmm. Now, as it passes back to SD, you can just watch all that detail disappear. Yeah. And again, you know, you're thinking about performances, you know, look at the detail in the eyes and you know, like the, the nuances wow. there. Um, I, I personally think it's a night and day difference between mm -hmm. what audiences have been watching and, and kind of the detail that we can get from images these days. Getting rid of the jittering alone is just like, but the noise and the clips are mm -hmm. really amazing. So impressive. Yeah. It's just beautiful to take something that's got very specific colouring from the 60s and just really make it pop. We wondered where their historical information came from to understand what frame rate and colour certain films are supposed to be. From that stage we've got to um, do all the, the, the uh, basic bits of finding the focus, getting the colour levels correct and everything like that, finding the right frame rate um, because a lot of the metadata that's uh, around these cans because various libraries and things like that that have been merged over the years, a lot of the metadata gets lost. Uh, so you can end up having to do a little bit of research trying to find out what it's supposed to be, um, which can be quite fun sometimes because you end up using IMDB and YouTube and all sorts of things. Um, there's always a version of something that might exist somewhere, so it might be a really low resolution of a, an old episode of, of so like the way we live or something like that, um, but it's it's available online, so you can still get that as a reference. Uh, that can help as well with colour levels if you need to set your colour levels and, and find out exactly what colour something was. Um, for example, we were looking at a Carry On film, um, and we we got what looked the colour levels look quite right, but when we were comparing it to the standard definition version, the wall in the background was actually more of a, a, a blue hue and we had it set up and it was looking a bit more green so we knew they weren't quite right then um, so we could go back and we could adjust that and we, we knew that we were getting somewhere we were getting close to what it should have been. We're kind of at the mercy of how thorough the, the record keeping was done sometimes 20, 30, 40, 50 plus years ago and I know what it's like when you know it's a Friday afternoon and you've had a terrible week and you want to get home you're not always thinking about how kind of things are going to be used 
on Monday morning, never mind in two or three decades' time. And we're at the mercy of that a little bit, you know, like people have lives and deadlines and we're rushed. It was obvious the team were really passionate about what they do. So we really wanted to know whether their love of it was about the content that they were restoring or whether it was about the, the processes, the actual machines and things like that. To be kind of working in this archive, with this, in, in this facility, with this archive, and looking at kind of the before and after, it, there is a real night and day difference between what the content looks like now as a forensic scan versus uh, like a side-by-side, -side, just the, um, the detail and uh, clarity to the image, the colours that are enhanced. Um, but just on the detail alone, you know, um, I used to be a, an editor in a formal career. And, um, you know, when I was editing programmes, it was always like looking into the eyes of the, the actor, because that's kind of where the performance was kind of coming from. And what I'm kind of taking for granted is the fact that there's so much more detail around the performer's eyes and you're getting a much more nuanced performance as a result of the restoration work that goes on. Um, I enjoy working with the film, um, you know, something that we would get from the archive that's not been open for 30 years, I don't know, there's just some, some, something about it um, that, that just makes it enjoyable, but also um, cleaning it up and making it look almost brand new compared to what it was when you were seeing it go through the, the film scanner. Um, and also, with some, with some film, you, when they were filming it, the shot was actually quite wide, so you end up seeing things that were never meant to be seen, like mm -hmm. bits of crew in there or, or bits of, of camera rigs and things like that. For me, it's about the content, and that's really what the archive's here to do. I mean, obviously, we supply the physical asset to someone to do something with. But really it's that knowledge about what we have and where it is and what format it's on, it's all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, we're, we're kind of seen as the arbiters of that, of that knowledge rather than the technical knowledge. It, it's, it's a valuable cultural resource, it's mine and your history, yeah? And I mean, it's not just X Factor, it's not just The Voice or whatever, it's, you know, it's, it's a social, that in itself is a social document, but, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from a purely ITV standpoint, but our uh, documentary catalogue, you know, go, go back right back to the 50s, is, it is a record of Britain, you know, throughout, throughout those decades. He's right though, isn't he, Abby? It's so important that we restore and preserve our heritage, really, as, as a nation, and a film is such a big part of that. Absolutely. So it's history, but it's also our chance to keep enjoying these things, to keep them looking the best they can and to delve back into those stories because it can teach us a lot. So thank you so much to the team in Leeds for welcoming us up there and giving us such a great day with them. Thanks to Bethan, James, Josh, Scott and Andy. Oh, I really just loved that day. It was a good day. I, 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 we really did nerd out more than I expected us to. I know, I think most of that segment is us just going, oh, wow. Look at the big sleep. Mark oh, Hannisters of the big sleep. It, love film. <laughs> we love film, mate. Yeah, absolutely. So, so really, really interesting. And their passion as well for what they're doing and just, just seeing what I didn't know was on our doorstep, really. Absolutely. So look out for the second part of our restoration two-parter where we're going to be looking at the other side of it. We're going to be looking at distribution and how we actually get restored films onto the big screen so that you can see them. And that's a really, really fun segment. I can't wait to share that with everybody as well. 
But for now, if you like the Sinful podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. It goes such a long way. Share us on social media. We're there at Sinful Pod, or even just tell your pals about it. We really, really do appreciate you. But for now, it's time to roll credits. Producer Jay Platt. Logo designed by Lydia Lipinski at Thoughts Make Things. Hosted by Jack Chell and Abby Standish. With thanks to the ITV Restoration Team in Leeds, Deborah Parker and Sheffield Live. The Cinema for All podcast is supported by the BFI awarding funds from the National Lottery. Thank you!